There it is, a win for the ages. This is All American, a new series from Stitcher. You realize Tiger Woods doesn't know who he is. Best in the history of golf, no question in my mind. And this season, we're asking. What if the story of Tiger Woods that the media has been telling, what if it's been completely wrong? Season one of All American premieres August 20th. Subscribe or favorite now. The following episode contains explicit language and is best suited for adult ears. Kids have been appalling little weird creatures that I didn't understand at all and seemed to completely lack rationale (laughs) and intellect. This is my friend Stephanie Fu. I've known her for a while because we both work in radio. She's this beautiful, funny badass, always says what she means. I didn't like kids when I was a kid. Stephanie and I used to always compare notes about online dating and complain loudly at parties. The difference is, I want to be a mom, while Stephanie never has. This one time, a guy friend of ours chimed in. He kept saying, like, you're going to grow out of it. You're going to grow out of not wanting kids. And I just lashed out at him. And I was like, fuck you. You don't know what I want. You don't know why I don't want it. Like, you don't know. There are a million reasons why women don't want kids. And so to say that you're like, some woman is going to grow out of it, you're assuming that, A, that she can. You don't know. She might not be able to have kids. And she's just saying this because, whatever, she doesn't want to talk to you about her vagina. She might have a horrible history of abuse, which is my situation. I didn't grow up. I have no nostalgic feelings about being a kid. I have no basis for being a good parent. Stephanie's parents were physically and emotionally abusive and neglectful. By the time she was 16, both had abandoned her, leaving her alone to finish high school. I struggle from with, like... Um, complex PTSD, and I know that, you know, from personal experience, that growing up with a parent who suffers from mental illness is torturous, and I just didn't want to ruin somebody's life and ruin my own life. Both of those things. That's how Stephanie has felt, adamantly, for years. Until she met a guy, Joey. Joey has thrown a kink in Stephanie's plans, made her question everything she thought she knew about family. And suddenly, Stephanie is rethinking this whole no-kid plan. I'm Andrea Salenzi, and today on The Longest Shortest Time, we're going to help Stephanie and Joey figure out if they're actually cut out for parenthood together. We've developed a very unscientific tool for this. We're calling it the 36 questions to ask your partner before having kids. Before we start in with the questions, you gotta meet Joey. I was on Tinder for like two weeks. Um, First Tinder date, met Stephanie. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think I went on like two more and they were trash. And uh, yeah, I was sold. Luckiest man in the world. When Stephanie saw Joey's profile, she was feeling it. There's this photo of him in an army uniform, another of him carrying a Christmas tree. Who was this cute military guy from Queens? The first thing you said to me was, 
hey, I used to run a radio station in Afghanistan. Mm. And I was like, well. It was a really, really convenient pickup line. I was pretty happy with that, yeah. Joey is now a middle school math teacher and by far my favorite boyfriend she's ever had. We've been together for our anniversaries tomorrow. That's right, two years. He's just, I think, made more of an effort than anyone else that I've ever known in my life to get to know who I am and what makes me tick. Just, like, in many cases, better than I know myself at this point. Yeah, I guess I do put in a lot of effort to get to know you, but it's easy. I know you're really fucking interesting. When was the first time you guys ever mentioned kids in any form ever? Oh, like fifth date. Something like that, yeah. Really, really soon. Yeah. He was like, you want kids? And I was like, no. I think I probably just gave some shorthand of like I experienced enormous like physical and emotional trauma as a child and like can't therefore raise one. But Joey loves kids. He told Stephanie that he's always known he wants a big family. And then we both looked at each other and we're like, well, I guess we should just not date anymore then. (laughs) We should just end this right now. And I'm not sure why we didn't, except that I just like didn't want to. It was a really sunny day. We were on my roof. Yeah. Are you saying if the weather had been a little worse and you were in a slightly more boring location? Yeah, is that what you're saying? I don't know. No, absolutely not. I wasn't going anywhere. We were both, I think we both almost immediately acknowledged like, okay, somebody's going to have to change their mind. Yeah. And we both launched into our respective campaigns. Listeners of the show may know. I once had a boyfriend who didn't want kids, and I attempted a similar campaign with him. We'd be watching TV, and I'd say, how would you feel if you were that dad? He'd say, I won't be. I don't want kids. End of conversation. But for Stephanie and Joey, this was a collaborative campaign. So where are you guys at in the campaigning now, as of the day before your second anniversary? I think I'm doing pretty well. Stephanie gives me this look like, yeah, he's been winning for a while. Still, I know she's ambivalent. She's got a lot of concerns about potentially becoming a mom, just like most people do before having kids, whether it's something they want or not. And so we created these 36 questions to help Stephanie and Joey think through parenthood in a deeply intimate way. Lucky us, we get to listen in. Do we need... I don't, don't put the timer. I don't put the timer Don't around. put the timer. We're lose track of time. We're not going to lose track of time. We're not going to be in the moment. We got 36 questions. We picked 36 as a nod to the 36 questions to fall in love. You might remember this viral modern love column from the New York Times a few years ago. I don't remember them. Do you? Yeah. I remember one of them was, what was the worst moment of your life? Those questions were based on a 20-year-old research study, one led by two psychologists, actually a married couple, called the Experimental Generation of Interpersonal Closeness. The idea being, if you ask these personal questions, the answers wouldn't matter. They're designed to elicit this loving bond with your partner. I thought our project could have the same effect. The plan of the project is not... Can Stephanie and Joey actually predict what it'll be like to become parents together? Nobody can predict that. If you think about it, the most reasonable answer to a lot of these 36 questions is, who the hell knows? And parents who are listening, you know what it's like on the other side. 
We're hoping you can listen and enjoy remembering what you thought this was going to be like. Do you want to interchange the readings? Yeah, that's probably smart. You can take the first one. Sure. Question number one. From Rob Hubel. Yeah, Rob Hubel. He's a comedian who's been on our show. We actually got a lot of our questions from past guests and also from you, our listeners. Did you do any babysitting growing up? How much? How'd you like it? Would you like to do that forever? Not much. Uh, Sometimes it was okay. Most of the time it was really frustrating. Who were you babysitting? My parents' friends had kids that sometimes I had to watch. Like when the parents' friends came over to have dinner or whatever, Mm -hmm. I didn't really like it. I didn't understand it. I remember trying to explain to this one girl why if an airplane was moving so fast, it looked like it was moving so slow in the sky, and mm-hmm. she didn't couldn't get the concept, and I was like, you're stupid. <laughs> Four. Um, no, you're right. She's fucking dumb. Would I like to do it forever? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Did you do any babysitting growing up? How much? How did you... Like it. Would you like to do that forever? I don't think it's, it's going to be exactly like babysitting in some ways. There's probably a lot more responsibility. Babysitting get to turn it in at the end. And honestly, like I think that's I think it's gonna make it better and like easier to handle for me. I like the idea of continuity of like taking something from the ground up and running with it. I can do that forever. I'm patient. Cool. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Next question. Question two came to us from sex and relationships therapist. Esther Perel. Oh, check it out. Wow, Esther Perel. Hey, Hey, ma'am. How you doing? What is your wildest dream when you see yourself with your child? (sighs) Hmm. This is the actual amount of time it took Joey to think about this one. I should have an answer for this. For somebody who wants kids, you think that, like, there would be a vision of success here. I don't know. I could see things like um, you don't have like some idyllic fantasy of how our lives would be. It does include a kid holding the other end of a wooden plank while I put it on a table saw. But um, no, I, I don't know, man. I get the feeling that for Joey... Kids and family have always been such a given that he's never had to think too hard about what that might look like. I don't know. What do you think? I've told you before about, like, um, wanting them to like nature. So my idyllic picture, I guess, would be, like, getting a cabin upstate or in the Bay Area for the summers. We're, like, running through the forest looking at banana slugs, and I'm making big farmer's market dinners and, I don't know, camping under stars and stuff. Is that more appealing because there's a child involved? Or is this just like idyllic life, period? Yeah, it's more idyllic, I think, probably, because there's the element of introducing this stuff to a kid. Though, honestly, like... You're so naive when it comes to nature. 
it's pretty fun with just you two. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I can't believe you don't have any sort of like ambitions. Yeah, I, I should, right? No, well, I you should shouldn't. develop some. No, this kid is going to become whoever this kid becomes. I'm not going to tell them that they're going to grow up and, I, I don't know, get into scraps on the street and win them all. If they do, that'd be really fun. But you should have some sort but, of plan. Mm. All right. I mean, you're either going to do the homework. It's boring. It's a boring dream. Stephanie's vision is so much more vivid than Joey's because she's done her homework. I am a hardcore researcher, and this is the thing that I'm most terrified about in life. She signed up for one of those big sister volunteer organizations and became a mentor to a teenage girl. And she read books. I read that book about people who chose not to have kids. I also read that one. It's called Shallow, Selfish, and Self-Absorbed, a collection of essays by writers making the case against having kids. Just to make sure at any point that during the book, it that 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 book didn't sway me to not have kids. <laughs> yeah, that Megan Down book. Yeah. Yeah, I thought if it swayed me to not have kids, then I would... But I, for each of them, I was like, oh, that's not a good reason. <laughs> or not, not, not a good reason, but like, I was like, oh, that's fine. It doesn't apply to me or whatever it is. One essay by Jeff Dreyer talked about how he and his wife wish they could be responsible enough for a dog. He wrote, not having a dog is a source of constant torment and endless anxiety for my wife and me. While not having a child is a source of pleasure. I remember reading that to my ex. Is that how you feel? You've never wanted a kid, but you've always wanted a dog? Again, he was like, right, because I don't want kids. I started wondering how many dogs I could get to make up for wanting a kid. Is it three? Five? The more I learned about what I wanted, the further I drifted from that boyfriend. For Stephanie and Joey, her research actually brought them closer. What names do you think are awesome? We're at question three. This one's from Tristan, from our Accidental Gay Parents series. Brighty. No. It's <sighs> a beautiful name. We were thinking maybe Esme, remember? Oh, yeah, Esmeralda's a nice name, yeah. Question number five. This one's from Dan Pashman from the Sporkful podcast. Which do you think would make you happier going out to eat with or without our child? And why? Depends on the context, but generally mm. without. Mm, probably. Yeah. And because, uh, like, one of the reasons why we like to go out to eat is, like, we just have more time to talk and connect. Yeah. And we, when we feel like we haven't talked in a while, we go out to eat, so. And they're just squirming at the table the whole time and can't eat nothing. Yeah, that's terrible. Just leave them with your mother. Question six from Marlo Mack from the podcast, How to Be a Girl. Would we let our son go to kindergarten in a dress? Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Stephanie and Joey are starting to see this picture of their hypothetical future, which is coming into focus, but about to get more blurry. Stay with us. In the OG 36 questions, the ones to fall in love, there isn't a single question about kids. Maybe it's not considered part of the standard accessories package when you sign up to fall in love with someone, 
Or maybe it's information the researchers wanted you to offer willingly in your own way. In my experience, questions about kids are essential to figuring out if you're really compatible with someone. So when I made the questions list for this episode, I transformed some of the love questions into kid questions. Like question 13. In the original, it reads, I wish I had a partner with whom I could share. But in the kid version... Complete this sentence. I wish I had a kid with whom I could share blank. Chinese food, Asian food, Japanese food, um, Malaysian food, Indian food. <laughs> Again, this is nothing to do with being a kid. You could like replace the word kid with any of the kid no, there. You right. just want to share know. that with everybody. <laughs> I just want to be able to order more dishes when you go out to <laughs> I don't know. What about you? I think food. I think a lot of like just internal things about the city. Like I want to argue with the kid about what's the fastest way to get from point A to point B. I want to get in arguments about bagels. So you wish that you could share New York with your family, with your kid, um, the experience. And of- also arguing, yeah. <laughs> and also, I just want to argue all the time with them. So you can picture this, right? Stephanie and Joey are walking with this little kid who, between bites of samosa, is arguing with his dad about how the G train doesn't run so bad on the weekends anymore and which delis have legit sandwiches. It all feels like fun and games. But then we hit question 14, and some of Stephanie's real fears start to surface. When we learn the sex of our child, either before or after birth, what significance will that have for you and what impact might it have on our parenting? Yeah, not very much, to be honest. I'm afraid of having a boy. I don't understand them. I don't know. You get along with me fine. But I was never a boy. You yeah. were, I've never been with you as a boy. You're an adult man. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, men being too close to their mothers as an adult is like stigmatized. That makes me sad. I don't think you need to worry so about that So to be too like much. successful, then I have to like, in, in being a mother, I have to lose my son. That sucks. Yeah, like in some ways, right? But you're not going to be the one that has to do that for what it's worth. At least in my experience, it's not like the mother pulls back. It's the kid just moves on. Can you imagine how painful that is? I try not to think about it. It does make me feel kind of like a shitty son. While I'm watching, I wonder if Stephanie's been noticing Joey setting boundaries with his own mom. If she's imagining herself going through that with a Joey-like son in 30 years. And for some reason, Joey's... I mean, what are you going to do? ...isn't making her worry less. A lot of the depictions you see of mothers on television and in movies, they aren't jobs you want to leap into. She gets old and worries. She's always in your business trying to guilt trip you into eating more carbs. Who would sign up for the unrequited love that comes with being a mom? A lifetime of being called a nag? Um, yeah, I feel nervous about that. Question 15. If a crystal ball could tell you the truth about the future kid or the future of the planet in general, what would you want to know? Oh, God. I would like to know if society would break down completely before they graduate from high school. Because I don't want to, like, be raising some kid in a war-torn, like, apartment where I have to, like, kill dogs to feed them or whatever. And if that happens, then I don't want to have a kid. 
I'm worried about this as well. But let's say that they get through high school, but it happens before they hit 50. Well, I hope they handle it well. You get them ready, you send them out. That's good. Question 16. This one's from a Longest Shortest Time listener named Makanani. How many? How many? Two. Max. Two max? Two men? Two max. We might settle on two. Okay, well, you can find a different vagina. Well, I'm Myers. Things happen. Stephanie widens her eyes and gives me a look like, uh, no. Things don't just happen because you're Irish. No. How? (laughs) (laughs) I'm responsible. Things won't. (laughs) Um. I'm sorry, it's me again. Uh. Okay, this is one of those things that will probably require future conversation. Question 18 from Dr. Pratima Gupta, a past guest of ours, an OBGYN who performs abortions. What would or should we do with abnormal blood tests, genetic tests, ultrasound findings? That's a good question. I would absolutely abort. Yeah? I don't know. I would want to think about it a lot, I think. Question 19. How long could you imagine us not having sex before you'd think something is wrong? What is the longest you'd be okay going without sex with me? Before I think something is wrong, where it's like it's going to be hard to restart it, probably like a week. Are you oh, kidding weeks. me? Yeah. We go regularly like and it's two fucking and a half weird. weeks we without. We go two and a half weeks. Are you fucking kidding me? This is very uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, no, we don't. You are way overestimating how much we have sex. I don't think I am. Okay. In my imagination of what it's like to have kids, it's you just kind of have to take whatever the fuck it is. Like those last couple of months of pregnancy, the first couple of months of the kid. I'm sure there are like just weird periods where people are sick or something like. I say deployment length is fair. Deployment length? Yes. It could be as short as nine months. What if you, what if you, what if you had free reign to do something else on the side? I don't think that would really like solve the issue at hand. No, that's true. Like, I can see that being really appealing to me when I was younger. These <clears throat> days, I don't know. I'm fucking old. Question number 20. Do you consider yourself more of an introvert or an extrovert? What if our kid is the opposite of that? One of us is an introvert and the other one is an extrovert, so. If they're chatty, I think it's um, good. They take up more space. And if they're an introvert, then yeah, I'm probably going to be worried about what's going on in their freaky little head. I'd probably be pushy. <laughs> probably be like... Well, why don't you go talk to that kid? Oh, God, you look so nice. Oh, my God, you're totally right. Why don't you try out for this part? Oh, you want to be in the play? Oh, Jesus Christ. That'd be cool for you. But you are absolutely going to be that parent, 100%. Are you okay with that? I mean, it's not like a toxic thing. We now arrive at question number 21. This is the one where I started to feel Stephanie and Joey were truly imagining the reality of having a kid enter their relationship. So we'll stay on this one for a bit. What counts as spoiling? Um, where they feel entitled. Mm, say a little more, which me. To the point where they have enough of whatever it is that they have no sense of gratitude about it. And they feel like they're entitled to whatever at the expense of themselves or others. Do you agree with me? I do. I think you phrased it very well, though. I like you. You're good. 
I think I got too many Christmas gifts going up. I don't think we need to give that many Christmas gifts. I'm with you. You know what's going to get on my fucking nerves? If they break something, they're like, okay, let's just get a new one. Yeah. Ooh. Well, no, but I don't, but I also don't want to become like this overly harsh superego that punishes for things that normal children accidentally do. It's not a punishment. It's just like, all right, well, we can figure out how to fix this. Oh, like, yeah, sure. I thought, like, if they break a vase, you get madder. Oh. How many vases are we going to have? <laughs> um, I'm thinking like a pair of headphones. Like, yeah, I no, think you broke your headphones. You better figure this out because, oh. I feel very conscious of the fact that, like, my chastising, my the way that I talk to the kid will become the kid's internal monologue when they're older. So it's, yeah. I think it's a really hard balance to strike between harsh enough where they consider others and be a decent contributing member of society that's not completely egotistical and between someone who doesn't have like a super toxic voice in their head telling them they suck. Yeah. Um, I think some of the solution is presenting problems as problems that exist, not problems that you own as a parent. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, whatever, your your headphones are broken. You broke the vase. It's not like you're a piece of shit. You know, I'm yelling at you because you made me mad because now this is broken. I don't know how much it really matters that you are mad. What matters is that, like, we had this thing and now it's gone and now there's a mess that's everywhere. So there's this mess that's everywhere. Somebody has to clean this up. There has to be some way to fix this. So you're saying it's more about accountability to themselves than to you. Accountability to the problem. Sure. That's good. Well, you're going to have to teach me how to do that. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't have the best um, super ego. Yeah. So you're going to have to. You think about that a lot? This idea of like, I'm going to create the internal monologue. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, because yeah. mine is so horrible yeah. and abusive. But I think I've gotten better over the years of um, interrupting, like thinking a lot about, I don't know. I'm still like working on it in like certain spaces like the edit room or whatever, but... I don't think I get too blamey with you or anything. Sometimes. Sometimes. In the short time that I've known you, I think you absolutely have gotten better at that. And from what you told me about, you know, the way this has been a problem for a long time for you, it sounds like you've gotten way the fuck better. It's actually something that I I was drawn to about you and still drawn to now. We talk about building a future and whatnot. So nice. um, well, you know, you do a lot of like work on yourself and you take this seriously. And I think if you can take that seriously and put in that work, then you're capable of doing that for a kid too. It'd be a better investment if you picked someone who automatically had the programming. I don't think that's true though. Right? Because like, whatever, we're on question 21. There's 50 more questions here and there's a million of the fucking things that's going to go wrong. We don't know what those are. There's no way I could pick somebody who has the right programming to do that. I feel more confident knowing that, like, 
you have these these things that you're working on, and you do work on it because like you want to be able to care for people better, and like you want to. I don't know. I think it's a better investment. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> this is why his campaign is more successful than mine. Stephanie tears up here. You can tell his loving words, his flattery, are a big part of how he's winning her over. And you can see she knows he's right. Her understanding of her past and her feelings would be an asset in parenthood and as a long-term partner. But in contrast, take this tiny moment, what Joey said about how he'd feel about the broken boss. I don't know how much it really matters that you are mad. It's not putting a lot of value on his own feelings. Cut to 10 years from now. Are you mad? I don't know. It doesn't matter. These are the kinds of essential differences that start showing up a couple years into a relationship. Little hints about the challenges that might be ahead if they do have kids. In a bit, Stephanie and Joey imagine way into the future. What life might look like with grown kids. Don't go away. We're back with Stephanie and Joey. And question number 25. Will we be the kind of family that can talk about farts? We're neither of us is a wasp. This is fine. Let's keep going. Question 27. What role do you see your parents playing in our lives after the baby is born? My parents, not much, but your parents will play, play a very big role, so that's good. Yeah, I think so. Question 33. Who is the person who strongly influenced your view about the reality of family life or parent-child relationships? Like Sawyer. Salier. Yeah. Yeah, that's our friend. Yeah, he has two daughters who one of them I put on TAL one time. Stephanie interviewed their friend's daughter, Rosie, for an episode of This American Life. Something that I could do to make us closer. Did you feel like your dad wasn't paying enough attention to you? Yeah, a little bit. Or not a little bit, yeah. <laughs> what was he doing instead? Um, he was. He was writing papers on his computer, and I knew... And then she came home with this huge smile because she met this kid named Rosie Salyer, and she thought she was so great, and she just loved her so much. What did Rosie say that, that influenced you? She just loves her dad to bits. She just loves him so much. I just, like, it's... I know it sounds insane, but, like, recently I've had some friends lose parents, and they're, like, really sad, and I don't—I know that it sounds crazy, but I didn't know that they would be so sad. I didn't know that, like, a parent was that big of a deal. I didn't know you could like them. I didn't know that you really loved them. I just figured, like, they raise you, and then you grow up, and you decide and you that you hate your parents and everything they stand for because you're a teenager or whatever, and then you never really come back to them, and you—that's it. That's the end. And then you go your separate ways, and then you try to hang out, and it's awkward at Thanksgivings forever. And I was like, why put in the effort of parenting for that shitty end result? Is hanging out with my family, like, part experiment for you? Oh, yeah. It's not, like, clinical. It's I'm observing a lot all the time, for okay. sure. What are you looking for? Just what that is. 
lost everything. I remember Thanksgiving one time, you and a couple of the other like younger generation, um, you were hanging out, and you got in some sort of political discussion. Um, and in the next room over, me and a couple other people of the younger generation, we started like rolling our eyes about some of the things you guys were saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I brought this up later, like offhand. Um, just, I don't know, maybe like teasing you about it or just uh, debate it or whatever. Um, and you got really upset. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah, I didn't understand the permanence of family, I guess, or that family comes with inherent conflict and that it is unavoidable. I only know about friendships, and friendships are tenuous and fragile and impermanent in a way that family isn't. So it's, I think that is one of the most striking things about watching you guys is how permanently tied you are. Because to me, family has always been, you know, what with immigrating to the United States and very rarely seeing family back home. And then both of my parents leaving before I was 16, you know, it's not, it doesn't, I don't know. It's just not, nobody stays and you guys have to work things out because you're tied to each other until you fucking die. That's crazy. You're in the mix now. Oh no. You are. Yeah, my little brother crashed on our couch for a little bit, right? That's true. You're going to tell me, Jimmy, I love you. You're going to tell me throughout all of this, like, there was no time where Jimmy did something that didn't get on your nerves. Sure. You still love Jimmy? I do love Jimmy. More to the point, you're still stuck with him. So long as you're stuck with me, you're stuck with him. You're stuck with the rest of us. It's true. What was the question? Why are we talking about this? Stephanie is suddenly using a quiet voice. She reaches out and grabs his knee. What she's about to say next is really just meant for Joey. I hold my breath. I don't know. So if it's what you want, you know, why not? Joey shakes his head. If it's what I want. If, I mean, I feel It's fine. Look, if that's the answer, I'm not trying to like put fucking words in your mouth. Stephanie is usually so forceful in her words and opinions. And this, if it's what you want, you know, why not? She said it with the conviction of someone looking at a dessert menu. But I don't think that's because she's just doing this for Joey. I feel like I can relate. Saying I wanted kids out loud... It's one of the hardest, scariest things I've ever had to learn how to do. And for the longest time, I didn't do it. When a woman says this, it can be seen as desperate, off-putting. So in the beginning, I just muttered it. Talking about having kids with your partner is scary. But these questions are going to come up one way or another if you go that route. So why not start asking them early? All right, you ready? Okay, we are finally at our last question. Here's question 36. 
Imagine it's 20 years from now and we're sitting in the same spot talking about our kid. What would that conversation be like? Let's act it out. Listeners, now it's your turn. Go check out all 36 questions to ask your partner on our website, longestshortesttime.com. You can even print them out for date night. Many of these questions are even good for people who already have kids. We are so curious to hear how this goes. Leave us a comment. This is episode number 165. Sure, they're 18. They're just graduating high school. Okay. Is that where we're at? I'm just going to weep openly for the next 20 (laughs) minutes then. (laughs) This episode was produced by me, Andrea Salenzi with Jackie Sajiko. Special thanks to Kristen Clark. Our show's creator and executive producer is Hilary Frank. <laughs> Our engineers are Pete Karam and Jared O'Connell. Our music is performed by hotmoms.gov. We get editorial support from Peter Clowney, Antonia Acatunde, Anne-Marie Baldonado, Rekha Murthy, and Julia Wang. At this point, my communication with you will have dulled just all monosyllabic shorthand. <laughs> So go ahead, go ahead, keep with the weaving. (laughs) Our next episode drops on July 25th. We'll have a whole new season for you. In the meantime, check out our archives in Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. Oh, I've taken up enough of your time now. All right. Have something you want to hear us cover in the next season? Tell us, go to longestshortesttime.com, hit the participate tab, and submit your story. I don't know. This is hard. Yeah. It's just there's so many variables. 